Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. No Chad today or this week. Merry Christmas to the Withrows. They are up in Nebraska, their annual trip to Nebraska. Fun times. That's right. Uh, he Chad us, is reading right now. He sent us a text that says, uh, just so you know, it's 20 degrees and extremely windy. Welcome to Nebraska. Has to be expected. Welcome to Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Entire crew making the show happen for it. Jonathan Moulton, uh, Dylan Taylor managing the board. And we've got the chairman of the board, David Reed, here as well. Very casual today. PK and I with you uh, all week and with you as we lead up to kickoff of Cleveland and Vegas. They will kick off at 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern. And no Baker Mayfield, no Case Keenum. Nick Mullins is going to get the start for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Mayfield and Keenum still remain in COVID-19 protocol. And Paul, I, I wonder if this affects a a prop bet, a oh, it does. a parlay that you have going in this I game. I lay down a parlay every week, and every week it goes to crap pretty early. <laughs> but this week is my week, so I had an eight game parlay: Colts money line wins, Dolphins money line wins, Solid. Bills money line wins, Cowboys money line wins, Texans money line wins, Forty ers money line wins. Cleveland money line, Washington money line, $5. If I stick with it and the Browns and the football team win, $179.29. If I cash out now, $17.65. If you cash out, you're only getting 17 Yeah, I thought yeah. it was more than that, so I got to let it ride. <laughs> I was like, they need to at least give you $100. Uh, I, I would at least uh, wait until the Browns take a lead and maybe they – Add a little it. bit on. What are what are my chances here? You think with Mullins against uh, I mean, the Vegas? They they still have their run game. It's minus two sixty. They still ha- uh, the Browns still have their run game here. You've got Chubb who's playing in this I game. I think it was higher last night, honestly, or this morning when I landed. I couldn't look at it. It's weird when you go out of state. So I'm in Pennsylvania. It won't let me see my Tennessee bets, but it'll let me make Pennsylvania bets. So I made a a couple small bets yesterday that I knew I wanted him to play out Sunday only and then uh, came back and have access to my Nashville bets, my Tennessee bets, but not to my Pennsylvania bets. Well, I, I still think the Browns are a solid play. Um, I The, the Raiders, you know, I, the Raiders will make every game With difficult. my luck, the Browns will win and then the Washington will lose. But I, I'll have a payout option have Washington over that. Philly tomorrow. And Washington's really hit bit, been hit hard by COVID as well. I'll have a payout chance after yeah. that that should go Let up. Cleveland win this game because the Browns, if the Browns win, they move up to the fourth seed in the AFC. And first place They're in the division. They're currently ninth. They can go from ninth to fourth with a victory over the Raiders and what has been a back-and-forth AFC North. And consider this. Yesterday, Cincinnati and Denver went into Week 15 tied in the wildcard race, wherever they were positioned. The winner was Cincinnati. Cincinnati went to four, and 
and Denver dropped all the way to 12th because of their loss to Cincinnati. That was quite the shift and an impactful game for the postseason. Cincinnati won, but they would drop to a wild card spot, or they may be the first team out. Uh, I think they would go beneath the the seventh seed. They would be the first team out in the wild card positioning race uh, with a Browns win. This Cleveland would be, take over as the leader in the division. This has to be the tightest division, the latest. So Cleveland wins. They're eight and six. They're in first place. The Bengals are eight and six. The Ravens are eight and six, and the Steelers are seven, six, and one. I mean, that's just insane. And Cleveland tonight is playing for a win to be in first place, a loss to be in last place. I mean, that I, I've never well, seen anything like it in my career covering the league. Well, and think about the, the Raiders still have, not to make you fear your bet. No, I fear my bet. The, the Raiders. <laughs> don't have, I don't need help. If there. the Raiders win, they're one game out of the wild card. Believe that or not. Like, they, they're still in the hunt. This, this game is very similar to Cincinnati-Denver. The same divisions uh, and the same things at stake, where if the if Vegas loses, they're dropping out of it. Uh, if if Cleveland wins, they move up five spots, just like Cincinnati did. Uh, it's an impactful game, and unfortunately, it's been hit hard, and uh, all the rearranging, it's supposed to be, a game's supposed to be played on Saturday, and, and instead it's being played on NFL Network today I'd call at 5 o'clock Eastern. i 12 teams still alive, and I'm going to skip over Denver there. Denver yeah. at 7-7 seven, seven is 3-6 in the conference. Well, and they're, they're, you can't beat anybody on tiebreaker. Well, there. and they're not going to beat anybody without Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater's concussion, uh, and thankfully he's okay. He's been released from the hospital. His concussion removes them from contention because Bridgewater is the only quarterback capable of protecting the football on their roster. But they also have the worst conference record of anybody with a winning record or a 500 or better record. Vegas would be in that group if they win tonight. So as you sort through all those tiebreakers, we were talking about this last week with Armando. You are now at the point where when there's so many teams ahead of you, you got to start looking at the factors. Like you're not going to be able to climb five teams without something on your helping you. And with the three and six conference record, you're just not going but to that's, get but, there. But the thing is, teams are willing to help you. Yeah, that's true. You know, there, there's no, I, I believe this year, and I was talking with Dockage about this this morning, because he asked me my thoughts on the AFC playoff race. Even after the postseason is set, in three weeks. I still think seeds like 8, 9, and 10 the following week could beat the second seed oh, in the I, AFC. I agree that's, entirely. That's how tight this race is. And and that doesn't necessarily mean it's great football. Um, we'll find out. We're I mean, still, those we're games still entertained probably, by this. The playoff games are probably going to be good, right? They usually are. And if should you go be. to the NFC, I mean, look, Dallas is second right now. Is anybody not getting their – we like the NFC better. But does anybody love Dallas? Well, I, I, I want to love Dallas. I love Dallas's defense, man. Yeah, they they I, are I, ready for the playoffs. But I mean, on any, their offense is completely capable of doing hardly anything. So oh. they're completely beatable. Arizona's in a rut right now. Tampa Bay just got shut out. Oh, and they just two, lost two, three, Collins. and four is Cowboys, Bucks, Cardinals. That doesn't look as great as it sounds anymore. They all have ten wins. 70, what was it? Seven, it was nearly 60 or 70% of Brady's targets over the last couple of weeks are down. Were, well, no, they were to Godwin. Oh. Yeah. Um, and all the, and, and that now Godwin's been wiped out 
Um, he's got an ACL. He is done for the year. For those just joining us, Chris Godwin done for the year, one of Brady's top targets. And also, Chris Godwin is an unrestricted free agent in March. Oh, that's awful. And think of this. Yeah. Bud Dupree's ACL last year was suffered on December 2nd. Now, he made it for opening day, but he was not himself in the first three games, shut it down for a while, all of that. Suffered another injury. You know, looked pretty good yesterday, but his season has been largely a wash. Godwin's season next year for a position that requires much more cutting and running than Bud Dupree is going to uh, – it really enhances the Bucks' chances to have him back because he's probably going to sign a one-year deal to try to heal up and, and then do something late and, well, and that go benef- again. That may benefit him too uh, because he's right back in the thick of a, of a playoff run and a Super Bowl chance in what could be Brady's final year. Yeah. I mean, that's always that going to be a storyline. I mean, that's yeah. as unfortunate injury as you can get in a contract year. Uh, and late enough that you're not going to be ready to start next year. Terrible. So I don't see the Browns as a legitimate playoff team. I do. If they're healthy, the the, the running and the blocking, I, I like. I don't know how healthy they can get. I don't First think, with well, the COVID, but then, you know, how even, healthy is Baker? Yeah, I don't, I don't think Baker. I think Baker's injury is a lot like, Julio Jones, like, like it's just not, it's gonna just go not going to get better unless, or or Roger Saffold for that matter, it's just not going to get better until the off season See, when you have a chance to rest. To me, the Browns it. are the kind of team though you could throw them against anybody, and with their formula, they are capable of surprising on a certain day because of the formula. It's a it's a January uh, cold weather travel formula. Um, I don't think they'll do it, but. I think they're more predictably. You like the Browns or the Colts better on paper? Uh, I like the Colts better. Is that just based on the? I, it's based on their hotness. Yeah, yeah, but but quarterback play aside, like you're not. Well, I, I mean, I Wentz. take. I don't trust Wentz either, but you take him over Baker right now. With the health factor. Yeah. Um. So so the Browns again. They they lead the division with a win. The Ravens have really fallen off. They have lost five of their last eight games. Ravens can't win. They're just too hurt. They're they, more hurt than the Titans. Uh, you know, including they they lost three straight now. Um, the thing about Baltimore, though, is I, I go back to uh, comparing them to Minnesota, which we'll see later tonight. When they always games. play those close games. Even yesterday, no one gave them a chance against Rodgers with that depleted secondary. I mean, yesterday they went into the game with 17 players on injured reserve. They and, and, and those seventeen seven starters of the seventeen going through their roster are on IR right now. Five players, uh, including three starters, were on the COVID list, and then you had thirteen players on the injury report. And you had Lamar Jackson, one of those ruled out with that bone bruise in his foot. So, despite all that, and their secondary being completely wiped out due to injury, they went toe to toe with Green Bay. Like so. I, can totally I, I don't rule them out because they they have a way and a system, and I think they're extremely well coached, of finding a way to make a game out of any opponent. I can see how the Baltimore Ravens are as hateable for fans as anybody. If if you're in their division or if you're the Titans and you have a big rivalry with them, as somebody who's dispassionate about everybody, they are – from the outside, I could see how you can really hate them because they're just so damn consistently good, yeah. pretty much unflappable. 
constantly draft well, find guys that fit their system. You know, when they take a middle, when they take Patrick Queen, right? <laughs> you think, well, going into that draft, you think, well, Patrick Queen's uh, okay. And then when the Raiders, uh, Ravens take him, you go, oh, Patrick Queen's going to be great with the Ravens, right? If they get, with his blessing, that means he's good. It's like, that means um, he's good in that system. It's like Shanahan with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. You know, Trey Lance goes to uh, Jacksonville, and it's different than Trey Lance going to San Francisco. Yeah. it's uh, It's got to be infuriating. And uh, as much as Titans fans hate the Ravens over their, uh, you know, multiple playoff failures against them, I would think it's even more annoying for a division rival that sees that twice a year. Though some of them are having success finally uh, this year, certainly the Bengals. Oh, and speaking of the Bengals, that's Which is a graduation. The Ravens play them this week, and it's a good game. the 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 Bengals have not won more than two games in a row all season. They are like two and three at home. I mean, they're terrible at home. They play better it's football crazy. on the road than they do at home at uh, Paul Brown Stadium in Cincy, and Cincinnati, Baltimore. Excuse me. Um, there, there will be a Pittsburgh Baltimore feel from a couple of weeks ago for me, at least where it's hard for me to pick against Baltimore in this game, given the coaching situation, um, and the fact that we know Huntley can run that offense. The way and they just well. lost those two games. Yeah. Did they win the game in between that? No, they've lost three straight. Yeah. Their backs are very much against the wall. That's a factor here. That's really in play. Like I did a, uh, you know that Gary V, the huge marketing guy? Um, he's got an immense Twitter following, and I did some kind of video thing with him last week, and they had a Steelers writer on, too. And they were kind of forcing us to pick the game and everything. But uh, the Steelers guy was saying, you know, yeah, the Titans need this game, but they don't need it like the Steelers. And – I'm I'm loath to pick against the desperate team, and I'm thinking now we're seeing more desperate team because there's so many teams in it. There's so many implications of so many games going to each one of these. Almost like I'm not saying it's like bowl season where somebody doesn't care. None of these teams don't care. But you look at each of these games and like somebody like the Steelers absolutely had to have that game or they were dead. And as we get narrow here, it's going to be more and more like that. Somebody absolutely has to have the game or they're dead. These are all elimination games, a lot of them. Or, yes. or it's equal. Like this Baltimore-Cincinnati game feels like that. The loser of that game is going to have a hard time, and the winner is going to be in pretty good shape. It's not quite an elimination game, but it feels pretty close. Yeah, the loser I'm, of that game is going to have a hell of a time getting in, and the winner is in pretty good shape. And I think, you know, the second place team in that division can get the final wild card yes. spot. And There's Cincinnati, not be if it's three. Cincinnati, they're pretty damn good on the road. Very like good. You're no, they're very good so on the road. That's not road road trips in the playoffs. The thing is, going on the road for one or two is okay. We saw the Titans um, in in 2019. They went to New England and won. They went to Baltimore and won. They went to Kansas City and, and they were overmatched. But three games on the road as a wild card, no matter that home field advantage isn't what it was, is just an exhausting proposition. You go, you get your first game at home and, and then go on the road. I think two on the road's doable. Three on the road's really asking a lot. We will uh, hit some of the breaking news headlines. There is a quarterback that has been added to the COVID-19 reserve list for a team. 
that's coming off of a win. There is a quarterback coming off a loss uh, with his team that is headed to injured reserve and is done for the rest of the season. And when we come back, there is a cheat code to figure out which teams you should bet on if they're in the in the running right now for a wild card position, you should bet on for actually being consistent over the final three weeks versus teams who should fall off because it's very difficult to tell teams apart right now. To me, there's one big area to look at when making these picks, and it's not the quarterback position. That's next on Outkick 360. A.J. Brown designated to return to practice immediately, and that means he could potentially be elevated to play on Thursday night football against the San Francisco 49ers. Paul, that is massive news for an offense desperate for wide receiver production, and he's the best option that they have, the best option among many options across the NFL. He's right up there with production with the best of the best. I've expected him all along to be ready this week. I expected Bud Dupree all along to be ready last week. Um, and I can't think of a guy they designated for return who has not then, in fact, returned that week um, who's needed the extra practice time. Um, so, you know, positive development, expected development. And um, <clears throat> the question is, uh, you know, how quickly – can he and Ryan Tannehill get back to doing their thing? Can, can Tannehill kind of remove himself from the funk that he's been in? And can A.J. Brown kind of restore the passing game you know, and have a trickle-down effect to everybody else involved? I know you're going to write about this, and, and we can have a, uh, a deeper conversation about this later this week as the game nears, because I'm with you. I think he plays Thursday. Um, you can argue pretty easily right now, I think, that he is more valuable right now. His return is more valuable than Henry because they're running the football. They're running the football. They're running for 200 well. a game. Look, this offensive line, I don't, I don't know how, how it works this way. This is the same offensive line they had last year that passed protected quite well. Minus Dennis Kelly. They're regretting that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're right. So one guy. But yeah. one but guy should, Kelly not was crush around the entire, should not crush the entire line. Um. But they can't pass protect, but they run block very well. And the team run blocks very well. You get answers about tight end. Last week, uh, last week Mike Vrabel answered a question about the tight ends and basically said the tight ends are here to run block. And, you know, secondarily to catch when we happen to throw something their way. The first answer about Julio Jones was, was about blocking in the run game. Um, so... That's great that they can run block so well. And really, you know, obviously you'd rather have Derrick Henry, but they're running quite well without Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry's not the third down back, so he's not an every down guy, which doesn't make him less valuable on first and second down, but he is pretty much a non-entity on, on third down, or certainly anything longer than third and two. Um, A.J. Brown's not going to play every down in his first game back as he works back to, to his conditioning and stuff, though his chest injury hasn't been a leg injury, so I'm sure that he's been running and is probably more fit than the, most of the receivers have been coming back from leg injuries. But he can be an every-down guy and an every-down threat, and he will reshape the way they're covered well, if they can use him properly. And, and, and I think the naysayers would say, oh, Hutton, look at his, produ his production when he's playing has been down starting in week one. 
That's all fair. It's true. But but his it is true. He's got the capacity to change. But let's think about the biggest pass plays of the season. Guess what? They're still to A.J. Brown. Bet, uh, think about the play early against Kansas City down the sideline. Uh, 50-yard pass where he somehow gets his – I mean, perfect pass, perfect catch. Uh, I think he was interfered with on the play, and he caught it anyway and, ca- and stayed in bounds. I may be wrong. Sounds, sounds right. Um, fantastic grab. He made the biggest plays against Indianapolis. Um, he made uh, – going through the, the, the Bills game, he dominated the Bills in the second half of that game. He is, he's the Titans' man. And right now, for, for an offense that is desperate – for big play capability, he's the only option they have to get deep and in, in yards after catch. I'm going to pinpoint yards after catch in detail coming up in the final hour of the show. The Titans are getting zero yards after catch from their wide receiving core. This is a huge boost for them. And they're not getting chunk plays. Uh, their, right. big, their big play the other day was 18 yards up to a running back. They've got to get some chunk plays. You have to make it easier for yourself you have to flip the field periodically, and you, you've got to have some explosion to your game. You, you can't win Paul, the way Justin, they're going. Even if you take away all the turnovers, if you're going to inches at a time, it's too hard, too often, and there's that much more room for a mistake. Yep, if you're going like you're right. this, a little, a little, a little. If you go like this. <laughs> and you hip, you skip over the midfield yes, area. Then, yeah. there, then there's less room for mistakes. And that's also the definition of the league in, in many cases. Um, I like comparing – the Titans' offensive group of receivers to one player across the league. Justin Jefferson has 22 catches of 20 catch. yards or more. All right? Ryan Tannehill has 27 pass completions for 20 yards or more. And Tannehill, uh, across the entire Titans' offense, has 27 plays of 20-plus. Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, an offense that is criticized for being uh, playing their offense in a box from 20 yards and in because Kirk Cousins is dink and dunk. Has, uh, Justin Jefferson has 22 plays of 20 yards or more. Those are the chunk plays you're talking about, and that's what the Titans' offense lacks, and that's why they're not scoring more than 20 a game. I think they have, uh, they've put up like 36 points over the last four games or something like that. But the thing is, you would think about Justin Jefferson, oh, his yards per reception must be you know 18 based on that. And it's not because he gives them those chunk plays. I thought this was where you were going, but making comparing the Titans to one guy because he gets the chunk plays, but he also does plenty underneath and his yards per catch is 15.2, which is not a giant number for a big play wide receiver because he makes the big plays, but he also does plenty of underneath short stuff that fits with their dink and dunk, I, I should which point is out. fine. The I, Titans would kill for a guy I that sh- can make 20 big plays and also catch a bunch of underneath stuff. I think it's important to point this out, too. Let's let's compare him to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson um, missed, what, four games with that hand injury? 287 pass attempts. Russell Wilson has 32 plays of 20 yards or more in the passing game. Ryan Tannehill has 27 on 452 attempts. Again, Russell Wilson, 32 on 287. Ryan Tannehill, 27 on 452. And those that are 20 plus? That is putrid. 20, 20 plus, better. yes. That is horrible. Yeah, that, that is just confounding. Um, and I mean, think about this. This That's is the a significance team that of came Brown. into the season moving towards three wide. 
that had acquired Julio Jones and Josh Reynolds. One of them has been cut. One of them is uh, uh, basically a no-show. And, and, and your mainstay has missed a bunch of games hurt. I mean, it's unbelievable that group being decimated. Uh, it's not quite like the Ravens and their running backs because their running backs uh, were out for the season. But their lack of access to those guys has changed the way that they've played. And tight ends, just not not enough of a factor. Oh, they've been there horrible. were a lot of fans that told me Anthony Ferkser was going to make everything okay. And I'm waiting for those fans to come back and tell me. Well, I, I was a host that was telling you Anthony Ferkser was going to be okay because I was expecting more from Julio Jones making up for what they lost from Jonu Smith on top of Anthony Ferkser being more productive than what he was last year. He's just a Does, guy right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Barely that. Yeah. I mean, he's. I don't. I don't know what he's doing on the field in pass protection. Not much. What's What's happened to Michael Pruitt? Why Why has he gotten lost in this rotation? Because he's better than Anthony Ferkser. Yeah, but uh, I mean Pruitt is who he is, though. I, I would say Pruitt is exactly the right. player he's always been, and but so that's better for the most than Anthony part, Ferkser so is Ferkser. And that's just been a complete misevaluation. They top needed to, to bring in a tight end. That That's their biggest failure on offense. Like you could. Give them all these same injuries if they had a tight end. And we thought they would in the draft, and they chose not to. Yeah, if they had a tight end that was a number one tight end, doesn't have to be you know Travis Kelsey, but a tight end that could could do both and and could get you some yards after the catch. I think they'd be suffering a lot less. Um, Jared Goff is on the COVID reserve list a day after dismantling the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> was that the Jared, game of his life? Jared, no. No, not against Arizona. Jared Goff is eight and one in his career against Arizona. He is now four and zero oh against Cliff Kingsbury coach team. He threw the ball really well. well I mean, maybe he the was game of his life. Confidence. Point, point being, uh, the, the the guy earned a hundred million dollar contract in L.A. and yesterday uh, put together it, it was his best performance we've seen from him in a long time, and it came against Arizona and came against a, a for whatever reason a team that. He routinely plays well against. It's like, it's like uh, maybe not to the dominance, but the results. It's like Henry with Jacksonville. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, when they play the Jags and Henry is playing on the field, they're winning the game. They're winning either way. It's like way. the Saints D against the Bucks. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same deal. Jared Goff beats the Cardinals. He's now on the COVID nineteen reserve list. Um, and and coming up in uh, about fifteen minutes, we'll get into the new rules on that. So Dan- is uh, by the way, Titans uh, nickelback Elijah Molden, which that's a hard hit uh, as they face uh, the the 49ers on Thursday night short week. He's not testing out of that anytime soon. And um, uh, Daniel Jones is on IR, which uh, is the second time this year he's been on injured reserve. His season is done. So Mike Glennon gets the mop uh, up, or there, maybe huh? it doesn't even matter. Maybe because there's three weeks left, so his season's yeah. done. Even if it's the first time he's been on injured reserve. Um, there is a cheat code, Paul. I'm anxious to, to hear this. figuring out. I'm pulling up these notes and these stats because I, I can't memorize all this. Oh, please! Uh, if you can't memorize them, I don't want to hear them. If you have to read them, that <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to read them. I, I, I need a, a I need a oh, cheat code of myself to, re, a to cheat refer code to. for the cheat codes. So the 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 cheat code is uh, especially in the AFC, but we we go league wide here. If you're trying to determine. 
see, and I, I'm taking Kansas City to me is in a different level than any team beneath them right now. And maybe I should put Kansas City in the mix here. But winning this year's Super Bowl and this year's NFL, and maybe you could argue, period, like this is just a rule. Uh, they say defense wins championships. Uh, offense, it's an offensive league, and quarterbacks ultimately are going to have to take you on that run. But to get there over these next three weeks, the cheat code is determining which teams can run it and who can't. For instance, I'm going to start with who can't. Miami yesterday beat the Jets, and Duke Johnson had his first 100-yard rushing performance of his career. I think he's been in the league like seven years. Miami cannot run the football. They are terrible. They're like bottom two or three in the league on rushing yards per game. Tua gets no help in the run game. Well documented by Dolphins fans. Like They're hoping they're in position to draft Kenneth Walker III or someone in that area uh, for, for the future. But I looked up the stat last night because the Titans just lost another game for which they dominated their opponent in the run game. 200 yard, I think they had what, 201 against yep. Pittsburgh, rushed for 270 against New England, still lost that game. And it's very uncommon. Miami's 28th rushing. Yeah, they're, and that's, that's after yesterday. Yep. Right? Before that, I think they were like 30th. So they moved up a little bit. Um, there have been 154 uh, times this season that a team has collectively rushed for 125 yards or more. And those teams are a collective 105 and 49. Your chances of winning versus losing are right there in front of you, 105 to 49. And running the ball matters because, Paul, the precision and the accuracy right now in the league throwing the football, I would argue, is at a low that we haven't seen in a while. Offense is down. The COVID lists have really hurt these teams. Um Quarterback play is very inconsistent. You can count on one hand the guys you can count on week in and week out the way you can with Rodgers and Brady uh, compared to what you're seeing from Burrow or Lamar Jackson or Ryan Tannehill. I mean, it's very up and down. The run games, though, for the most part, you can count on week in and week out because you don't have to be nearly as precise. Those teams that can run it are going to handle and control the, the pace of play in those games are going to win time of possession. Um, the, the, the point being, you can be the rock of your team. And if you start looking across the league at just the top teams at running the football, Philly, Indianapolis, Baltimore, Cleveland, Tennessee, Dallas, and San Francisco, those are your top seven teams. And while not, not every team that I'm listing here is a Super Bowl contender, Philly's not, for instance. Um, you can look at Baltimore. We just had a discussion of whether or not they're done. They're the top seven rushing teams in the NFL, and the thing they have in common is, as of right now, they're either in the playoffs or they're within a game of being in the playoffs. Give me that list again. Philly, Indy, Baltimore, Cleveland, Tennessee, Dallas, and San Francisco. Those are your top seven. And again, they're either in the postseason or they're within a game of being, and I would argue they have a, a solid chance of being in the postseason. Because again, they're going to they're going to control the time of possession, which is the pace and the the overall um, speed of the game. Um, the quarterback has uh, uh, something else they can lean on, um, 
and again, I, I think it's much more uh, easy on the team and offense to grind it out down the backstretch of December and early January, needing to get in and keeping a one-score one game if you can run the football at the pace that these teams can. New England's not on this list. New England is on this list if you just look at it from the last two months. They're a top-five rushing team over the last two months of the season. Um, going a step further, Dallas uh, took a they, – they really dropped off. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott's uh, – yesterday was the first time he's been over 50 yards rushing – in like six or seven games. I mean, it's been really bad. They're still a top seven rushing team because they have Tony Pollard and they have Dak Prescott, who's been opportunistic. They can run it, uh, and that's why they're hard to bet against. I I would bet on those teams getting in the postseason collectively more times than not because, again, I go back to they're getting 125 yards a game or more, and they're winning those games 105 to 49. It's it, It's more difficult to lose a game after running for that much. Then it is hard to win it. I mean, I buy half of what you're saying, I think. But I also I do buy on the analytics side on the run game that oftentimes you're you're first you're winning, then you're running. Um and, which which isn't a bad thing. It's still a harbinger. If you get the run yards, it means that 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 you've won. But it's a matter of what what comes first. And for a lot of these teams, Indianapolis has a very good defense. Cleveland has a very good defense. Tennessee has a very yeah. good defense. San Francisco has a very good defense. If those two come in tandem, you're getting a lead, you're playing good defense, and you're running the ball to, to manage, uh, manage and shape the game. We've talked n- a number of times about teams that have willingly run the ball 32 times and accepted what? We saw one team, one game where – where somebody had 2.1 yard average. So it wasn't for them as much about the yards as it was about the attempts, which sometimes is hard to get your brain wrapped around, but it's about yeah. kind of maintaining possession, keeping the other team off the field, making sure time of possession is somewhat even, which can be totally thrown out, by the way, if, if you're giving up huge chunk plays. So you have to maintain your defense on that. But, um, you know, a couple of these teams I, I don't believe in to the to a big degree anymore. Philadelphia, Baltimore's on its way down. Uh, Dallas's offense concerns me. The defense, by the way, doesn't rank nearly as well as I thought. While you were talking, I looked at that. Their overall defense, and I know I need to look at points and third downs, but where would you guess their overall defense is? Which team are we talking about Dallas. again? Um, I would uh, top 10. 22nd. So that that's got to be like is that yards or points yards, you're looking at? Yards. I need to, I said I need to look at points and third downs. So Dallas is the number one offense in the league. Sixth rush, sixth pass, twenty second defense, fifteenth rush, twenty second pass. I'll go uh, to I think I'll a lot of these uh, for the most part, I would say a lot of these offenses that are high on the run are fairly balanced. Um Yes. Um, you know, San Francisco comes to mind. Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, San Francisco being good at the run really says something about the lack of value of a big time running back because they've rolled through a whole bunch. Oh, but now they have they, Mitchell. They have Debo Samuel yeah. as their top rusher now. Yeah, which is crazy, and we've seen that in a couple of quarter. Uh, Patterson in, in Atlanta yeah. is doing a lot of that. People are getting pretty creative in the backfield, but San Francisco's had a whole bunch of injuries in their offensive backfield that hasn't stopped them from ranking well. In the run. I'm very curious about Dallas now because I thought they were far better defensively as well. Scoring defense, 26th. No, 7th. Sorry, 7th. So that's significant. And third down defense, 
first. So Dallas. that was the difference. That's funny, though. You could be first on third down and seventh in points and that bad in yardage. So they are the first things in the red zone. They're the first team to have a player with 10 or more sacks and 10 or more interceptions in the same season since 2007's Chargers. Uh, Antonio Cromartie and Sean Merriman paired together that year and had an outstanding uh, season, both of them. Parsons and Diggs. And now, Parsons, Diggs Parsons and Diggs and another, the youth, man, they're if, awesome. If, Parson, if, if Diggs can get, I think the record's 11, if Parsons can get two more picks before week, uh, before game 17, that would be big because then it wouldn't be um, asterisked for 17th game. Um, and he's kind of fallen out of the defensive player of the year conversation. If, if he gets another one or two, he should go right back to the top. Dallas, it, Dallas is two guys competing with each other for that. Yeah. And aside from that, you saw another guy in TJ Watt. We're going to get to him He's in about 15 minutes uh, and discussing you know, his candidacy for Defensive Player of the Year. When we come back, though, the new COVID-19 protocols for the NFL, they adjusted them. We, we predicted this. They adjusted them over the weekend. They went into effect this morning, and we've already seen a little bit of the effects of them. Doesn't mean they're, they're stopping testing uh, the vaccinated players. All unvaccinated players remain tested daily. But we'll tell you the parameters moving forward and for the rest of the year, we presume, on how the NFL is going about the weekly testing on specific but not targeted position groups. And really, I'm, I'm skeptical of how they're going to do this when it comes playoff time, especially with a few of those really important positions. That's next on OutKick 360. Kickoff between the Browns and the Raiders coming up in about 10 minutes. Uh, we'll keep you updated throughout the afternoon on that game. We're also going to react to the Titans and Steelers in 10 minutes right here on 360. We broadcast from 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, Tennessee, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. You can hit us up on Twitter. Join us in the YouTube chat. Just search out Outkicked360. New COVID-19 protocols and the adjustments to the policy, the testing policy across the National Football League happened over the weekend. And, Paul, what they've done, uh, they've revised these protocols that will reduce the frequency at which vaccinated players are getting tested. As of now, the only mandatory tests for vaccinated players will come in two ways. As I read the policy, and you tell me if you see it the same way. Number one, you're showing symptoms. If you're asymptomatic, you're not tested weekly. Unless, number two, your position group is selected for that given week. It's supposed to be, according to what um, NFL reporters are, are tweeting out today, position groups are chosen at random, either by a computer program or some company outside of the National Football League that will divvy these up at random weekly. Um, but if you are showing no signs of symptoms and you're vaccinated, um, you're just going into this, what they're calling targeted testing, which is completely at random, just like they say these drug tests are for like PEDs. But <clears throat> different position groups for different teams. As I understand it, yes. <clears throat> this is where the problem potentially lies. Um, so next week, crucial games pitting, uh, teams competing for playoff spots. You draw quarterbacks. I draw tight ends. 
your quarterback pops, my tight end pops. Yeah, who, who, there's a big, there's a significant losing, uh, advantage there, and I that that's why I think once it gets to the postseason, you got to do the same group, same group. But here, here's how I read it. And you tell me if I'm wrong, or leave the quarterbacks out. Any vaccinated individual who shows symptoms will be isolated and tested immediately. Those who do not show symptoms will be subject to what the league and players union are describing as targeted testing, in which specific groups of individuals, such as a position group, will be tested one week another the next, et cetera. Players can go uh, undergo voluntary testing any day they want to, if they so choose. Um, players had until um, at some three, three o'clock Eastern, I believe, today to opt out of the season Unpaid. without pay. Who's taking that? No one, no one did. No one took it. Um, and there's no change to the protocol for unvaccinated players. But the point is, there is a significant advantage if... One, let's say Tampa Bay is forced to randomly test its quarterbacks and they're facing off against Philly in the postseason who's testing uh, their group of kickers or special teamers. Yeah, somehow you know? I have a feeling that's not going to happen. And it, it, uh, league-wide, I mean, even, right now, league-wide, it doesn't make sense to do it. I mean, it sounds bad. They wouldn't do this. To do targeted testing for position groups for every team, the same every week. Can you imagine a week as we get here to week 16, three games to play, and they, you pull the card for quarterbacks and you have to test quarterbacks across the league? I mean, again, that's there's a significant competitive advantage to that as well that teams – would not be in favor. Well, all of. different shapes. Off- you do offensive line, um, I you guess know, in a way for a team or for the league, and and in a way they're already doing that if they were testing weekly anyway. You know, for vaccinated players, so maybe it's re- it is reduced testing, which I'm all for yes. for vaccinated and, and asymptomatic. But obviously, the numbers are going up, right? The numbers are going up. Yeah, we, so Jared Goff's on the list today. You were going to get a lot more people in the web of testing everybody. Now those numbers are going up. So you're not getting the whole team number up. But if you test offensive line this week, odds are the number is going to be up on the offensive line or at quarterback or at specialist or at whatever. And so it seems like a little bit of roulette. And, oh, no doubt. And then you're picking, you know, what if you pick the team with the deepest offensive line and the team with the thinnest defensive line, you know, on, on and on and on it goes. We need clarification to make sure that it is not the same position. But even if it's the same position, then you play into that depth question. Right. There's a there's a competitive advantage here, and especially think about it from the Vegas perspective. And a randomness. You know, the Vegas perspective. There's no way I was going to take Cleveland or Vegas um, over the weekend until I knew – inactives that came out and I knew the results of testing today for both teams. That's why you're not winning 179 bucks Yeah, I, on Cleveland and Washington. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so difficult to predict day to day what's going to happen in this league right now, let alone the fact that they're testing on a daily basis and teams and position groups are just wiped out. You know what, what uh, you're seeing. Chicago's a great example. Chicago plays tonight. Chicago has a number of players 
on their list. Um, 14 players on the COVID list as of Sunday evening. Uh, the Bears are a team we're not even discussing well, I'm uh, as, trying the, with to forget COVID problem. that Chicago's playing tonight because we have a much better game kicking off in five minutes and 25 seconds. The Browns and the Raiders kicking off. We'll uh, keep you updated on that game and much more. Plus, we recap Titans and Steelers. The autopsy of that game is next on Outkick 360.